Today, we're going to talk about two pretty interesting cases in 2023. One is Matt Veerling, who has all the tools in the world, and it's just about putting them all together. And then the other is Will Vest, who I kind of want to use the phrase breakout year for. He had a phenomenal season. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. All righty. Well, we are going to get started as well and talk about Will Vest and Matt Beerling. Hope everyone is having a fantastic week so far. Uh, Will Vest, I'll tell you, uh, he had a really, really solid year. And if you're a longtime time listener of the show, or or even just have been listening since spring training of 2023, you will remember that like this dude's roster spot was not guaranteed. And certainly like he got sent down at one point, then the injury happened obviously later in the season. But like this, this is a, a guy who it was not just some foregone conclusion that he was going to be in this bullpen to start off the season. And by the end of the year, I think there's a legitimate argument that he had one of the better seasons in this bullpen in the entire Major League team. He was phenomenal. So I, I do want to give him his flowers. We'll certainly talk about him in the second half of the show and kind of, you know, where I, what I expect out of him over the winter and, and, and in 2024 as well. But we're going to start with Matt Veerling. Matt Veerling is, is just absolutely fascinating. He really is. And, and to the point where, like, I think – if all of these episodes were exactly one player talked about in each episode, there is a legitimate argument that Matt Veerling's episode would be the longest. Like, I, I think, not guaranteed, right? Like, there's a lot to talk about with Green and Torkelson and, and Carpenter and whatnot for sure. But, like, Matt Veerling is so fascinating on so many levels. And it really does start and end with... Him just being tooled up. He has so many tools. He's such an athlete. He has versatility in the field. He doesn't swing and miss. Like he puts the bat on the ball. He has a lot of stuff going for him. And it's just about putting that all together and uh, like on the baseball field. That's really what it all comes down to. So we'll start with his stats from 2023. He ended the year with a 261 average, a 329 on base percentage, a 388 slug. That's a 717. OPS, a 99 WRC plus, so just barely below league average, uh, and a 1.2 F4 in 134 games played. He also had six steals and six caught stealing. I guess we'll start with that. Uh, there, there's a lot of things. I don't want to use the word frustrate. There's a lot of things to point to. And and when we acquired Veerling, right, when, like, when that trade happened, a lot of people, myself included, were pretty excited about the deal because of how many tools Veerling had. And, and you know, people like to look at the baseball savant, like, uh, sliders and, and just like, look at what this dude did in Philly. Like, 
what this dude did in Philly, <laughs> not dude did, uh, in Philly. And it, like that, that's really exciting. And uh, I talked about it on that episode as well. Like, you know, I thought there was a possibility that he could have a lot of extra base hits and kind of run wild in the gaps in Comerica offensively. Uh, but it, it's just, it's odd to have someone have be in the 91st percentile in sprint speed, 29.1 feet per second top 9% in baseball in sprint speed, and yet he had six steals and six caught steals with the new rules in place in baseball to incentivize and, and make stealing slightly like more doable. That's just, that's odd. That that's a, And there's a lot of those with Veerling. That's like kind of the epitome of Matt Veerling's 2023. It's like he has a lot of stuff going for him, and and it's just about meshing that all into being the best baseball player that he could be, and and that's like a a, a great place to start because it, it perfectly, like I said, epitomizes him. One of the fastest dudes in the league can't steal bases. Now that doesn't make make him a bad base runner per se. Uh, his base running value is in the 89th percentile still, according to Savant. So like when the ball's in play, obviously. Him running the bases, he's one of the fastest dudes in the league. That that brings you value. I'm not saying he has zero value on the base paths, but he could have a whole heck of a lot more. Okay? Now, defensively, right? Defensively, we, we talked about this a lot this year. Uh, I, I think that he is has the ability to be a plus defender as long as he stays in the corners, Right? In right field, he was a net zero. In left field, he was a net zero. And at third base, he was actually a plus one defender. We'll talk about that in a second. In center field, he was a minus one and had very few opportunities out there because it was pretty apparent that he wasn't going to be even a net zero defender in center field. His OAA was like middle of the road, 58th percentile and outs above average this year. Averages out to about zero when you have the plus one at third, the zero in the corners, and the minus one in center, right? If you just want to add up all the positions that he acquired OAA in. But like he has a good arm, right? That's another tool. 83rd percentile in, in arm value, 76th in just arm strength in general, top quarter of the league in arm strength. Like he should be a pretty good defender. And he's not a bad one, as long as he's not playing center field. But like ideally with a dude with that arm and that speed, again, you would hope that you could get some positive defense out of him in center field. But even if that, you know, we have Parker Meadows now, Riley Green can play center. I'm not sure anybody's really jumping the gun to put him in center field anymore with all the injuries that have been happening. But like you have guys that can play center, so it's not necessarily a huge need. Okay, so we'll 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 lay off that one, sure. But uh, again, like net zero in the corners probably has the athleticism and the arm strength to be a lot better than just a net zero in the corners. And he was fine at third base, slightly above, uh, slightly above average there. The versatility I think is big. I, I think that's a huge reason for Matt Veerling's value. When we talk about just like how valuable he is and what he's going to mean to this team going forward, I, I think that that him being able to play all three outfield positions and play some infield is where a lot of that value comes into play. We didn't even see him at second base this year uh, or at first base, which in Philly, the previous two seasons in 2021 and 2022, he got looks at both. Not legitimate, not 
you know, like hundred innings or anything there, but he got, he got playing time at first base and at second base there. Uh, and he was actually a plus defender, very, very few opportunities, but uh, he was a plus one OAA at second base in 2022. So like you, you have a guy who's athletic enough to play all over the diamond, which is, which is awesome. Okay. That's a, that, that's a, that's a very, very valuable skill to have. It's just a matter about maximizing that at the positions he does play. And then the big one is going to be maximizing his value at the plate. And that's kind of what the the biggest talking point with Fearling is. And we will talk about that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best in the business and October baseball is back. You can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from first pitch until the final out. You can bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait till the end of the game to collect your winnings, you can predict what will happen in the very next at-bat with quick bets. Let me tell you, there might not be a better player to utilize the quick bets feature on than Jordan Alvarez at the moment. Uh, I know I did last night when watching that uh, that Astro, or two nights ago, I guess, as you're listening to this, while watching the ALCS game two, Jordan is on another planet right now. So a fun player to keep an eye on with those, you know, quick bets, very in the moment betting. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now and step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow. Deep diving on a couple more players as we continue to do. Again, unless any news comes out of Tigersville uh, over the next week or so, this is going to be what we do. And obviously, if news does come out, that is what we will talk about on that given day. So let's get back to Matt Veerling. This is the, the offense is really where most of this conversation uh, is to be had, okay? And we already talked about his final line from last season. The biggest thing, and I think it's mechanical, but the biggest thing going against Veerling is that he doesn't swing and miss, which is a good thing, okay? that That's good, obviously. 83rd percentile in whiff rate, sub 20%. Doesn't swing and miss very, aw- very often. That's awesome. Uh, but people always like to look at like when we got him from Philly and I, and I fell into the same boat. Like I, I did the same thing. Uh, they look at the hard hit rate and it's like above league average and the average exit velocity and it's, it's solid. Okay. And they go, yeah, like this is, he hits the ball hard. He runs fast. Like this guy has, has a lot of stuff going for him. Um, the thing is he's late on literally every single fastball. And the launch angle on all of them is like six degrees, which is basically a, an automatic ground ball that that's that's going into the dirt pretty quickly. Okay. When doing show prep for this, I baseball savant is just the best. 
Okay. And this is all public info as always. You guys can go and do this yourself. Um, but there's uh th- there's a lot of different tools on baseball savant's website. And just out of curiosity, I was like, okay, let's take just specifically like, oh, it's a four-seam fastball or a sinker or a a cutter or whatever out of the mix. And let's just look at the velocity of all the pitches that he's facing. Let's take a look at what he does against pitches that are over 95 miles an hour or faster. Okay, so on the year, this is Matt Veerling's stats against balls that were 95 miles an hour or faster. All pitches that were 95 miles an hour and faster. He saw 365 pitches in 2023 that were 95 or faster. He hit 176 against them, only had one extra base hit, and it was a double. Zero triples, zero homers, one double, 11 singles. Had a 29.5% K rate, so almost 30% strikeout rate. And the average launch angle of all of the balls put in play was six degrees. If you then look at the spray chart, right, for all balls put in play that were 95 miles an hour or more for Veerling, he did not have a single hit to the pull side of the field the entire season. He has still not gotten a hit to the pull side off of a pitch over 95 miles an hour in a Detroit Tigers uniform, and he just played a full season here. So, therein lies the biggest, I don't want to use the word flaw, but the biggest adjustment that he needs to make going in to 2024. He's only 27 still. Like, I'm not writing him off. I'm not saying that it's impossible for him to improve. But this guy has to figure out and it's uh, for me again I said it I think it's largely mechanical uh, I I think there's a lot of stuff going on with his mechanics where his hands sit uh, I was talking to Mark Gorosh of Days of Roar like his load is is kind of like inconsistent there there's a there, there's a lot of, of mechanical stuff going on with him that that I think uh, could help him pull the ball more against heat Now, if you look at his overall spray chart, he has plenty of hits to the pull side. And all of eight eight of his 10 home runs on the season are to the pull side, and they're smoked. And in the last two weeks of the season, his expected weighted on base percentage skyrocketed from where it had been in the previous month because he was pulling the ball, ball more and trying to get out ahead of fastballs. So we saw it a little bit. We got a little taste of it toward the end of the season, but that is comfortably the biggest adjustment that he needs to make. More so than the steals, more so than anything he can make defensively to make him like a better defender, more than anything. If this dude walks into camp next year and is getting out in front and beating pitchers to the spot on on heat, I will completely change my tune about what I think his role on this team is going to be going forward. Because again, he has bat to ball skills and he can hit the ball hard. But when you hit the ball hard, this is like a very similar conversation to what we had about Jason Foley yesterday, right? Jason Foley gives up hard contact, but I don't care because the launch angle is two degrees, (laughs) right? I don't care that he gives up hard contact because all of it is a ground ball. 
this is this is the the hitting equivalent of that conversation. He he has plenty of hard contact. His hard hit rate is, is like ten percent better, not ten percent, ten percentile better than league average. But it's all ground balls, and it's all ground balls that he's laid on. It's all just ground balls to that the hole in between second and first base. So he's got to lift more. And he's got to pull more. And that's going to completely change not only my tune on him, but just like his overall production. Again, this is a dude who had a slugging percentage of sub 400. His slugging percentage started in the with a three. That's not a slugger. That That is no power. Uh, if I could, I, I would go on and I would just list all... All of the players who also have slugging percentages that start with a three, and you would realize how quickly, like, none of those dudes have any pop. And the home runs, I, I'm never expecting him to be like a 20 home run a year guy. He had 10 this year at best. Maybe I'm pulling for like 12 to 15 at like absolute most if it, everything clicks for him, right? I'm never expecting him to be a, a, a big, like, slugger home run threat. But Golly, what what I love for him to just hit the ball into the gap in Comerica Park all season. He'd have like 80 doubles if he could just, (laughs) if he could just pull the ball into the left center field gap or still be laid on it, but lift it to the right center field gap. You know what I'm saying? Uh, There's a lot of just untapped ability here. And, and it's just a a really just down the chart. It's a lot of like, he has the ability to do it. He has the tools to do it. And he just, it, he isn't breaking through and putting all of it together to maximize all of those tools. And I'm not saying he's not trying. I'm sure he's putting in a ton of work. I, I By all accounts, he's a great dude. I love Matt Beerling, the guy. And, and, and I, I think that he has the ability to be a solid player for this team. But my immediate, like, 2024 outlook on Matt Veerling is, like, he should be the super utility player. And he's still going to play in over 100 games as a super utility player because this is an A.J. Hinch team, right? Maybe even over 120 games. Maybe even, like, 130-plus. Like, he's still going to get plenty of playing time being a super utility. His righty-lefty splits really aren't as dramatic as you think. 699 OPS against lefties, 724 against righties. Now, nine of his 10 homers came against righties, so he obviously has a lot more power against the right hand against right-handers, um, but his average and OBP are actually better against lefties. Uh, it's just the slugging percentage that's way worse. So, I and like his his all of his power came from the right side, and he still had a 400 slug exactly against righties there's no reason this dude should not have a 425 slugging percentage no reason literally zero so and that would make him a league average or even better hitter that would make him like a 750 ops guy with speed that'd be an awesome tool to have on on your roster so again a lot of adjustments to be made. Still plenty of time for him to make set adjustments. He's 27. He's got plenty of years left of control. That's why the Tigers traded for him. I think he's a valuable asset because he can play multiple positions. Uh, and in 2024, we'll talk about my one uh, at the very end of the show, uh, him and Will Vest both and what roles I expect out of them in 
2024. Let's talk about Will Vest. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the best. Like I said yesterday, I just wore mine over the weekend. They they are absolutely phenomenal. They're stretch khaki shorts, but they also have pants as well. I own a pair of those that they fit slimmer through the thigh and leg and give you a truly sculpted look. They do the exact same thing as Lululemons, except they fit and look way better. Uh, they fit better than regular shorts as well that are made from like stiff, restricting cotton. Like these are have cloud knit fabric in them, but they look very presentable and like pretty nice looking khaki shorts, except they feel like tights. They're, they're the best. And they have the inside liner as well. I've worn them to the lake. I've worn them swimming. They are the only shorts that I now wear when I'm golfing. I literally all summer, the only, (laughs) I got a lot of honestly made fun of from my friends for the fact that I wouldn't go golfing if I didn't have my bird dogs on. They are phenomenal. They have anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that allows you to stay cool and dry all day long as well. They are also incredibly versatile. Let me tell you, any function, like I said, golf, date, evening out, pool, lake, lounging, just around your house. I wear them all the time. They're the best. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and enter promo code locked on MLB at checkout for free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Uh, so let's talk about Will Vest, baby. Will Vest, uh, genuinely, such a, like, I feel like quietly, a really, really solid season. Uh, his final line here, let me pull it up. I have to switch back and forth from hitting to pitching because uh, that's why I tend to try to <laughs> lump the, the the hitters and the pitchers together so we don't have to go through a million tabs. Will Vest, 48 and a third innings pitch, had a 2.98 ERA with a 3.02 expected ERA, and I already lost it, a 10.43 K per nine, 2.42 walk per nine, and a 1.2 F war on the season. Uh, I've already given my disclaimer about F war on pitchers, especially relievers multiple times. So I'm not going to, you know, give that whole spiel again, but just take it with somewhat of a grain of salt, but just, it's impressive. He was the sixth most valuable pitcher bullpen or starter on this team in terms of fan war. I think that that's worth noting. Uh, but yeah, this, this dude really exploded. And like, again, I said at the beginning of the show, going into this season, his roster spot wasn't guaranteed. He got sent down. He got he had the injury at one point, obviously, but he really finally put it all together and utilized all of his stuff to get swings and misses. This is a dude that up to before this season, I viewed it as more as a ground ball pitcher. I was like, yeah, he's got good stuff, but it's not like swing and miss stuff. And he'll get you some ground balls. And he had a four ERA last year. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, 63 innings pitched a four ERA baseball in 2022. That's fine, right? This is a guy, we have to remember his, his, his path here as well, right? Will Vest was in our minors. We lost to the Rule 5 draft to the Seattle Mariners. 
Then he had uh, what, like a six ERA with Seattle in half a season. So they sent him back to us. If you get if you kick someone off of your major league roster that you took in the Rule Five draft, they go back to where their uh, original organization was. So he came back, was okay for the remainder of 2021. We gave him a, a big role in 2022. Again, over 60 innings pitched in 2022, and four ERA ball. And we were like, okay, that's a win, right? Fine. We we got him. We the guy that we were willing to give up in the Rule Five, and he came back and. That four ERA ball, he's a ground ball pitcher, sure. But his slider was always better than that. And his fastball was always better than just ground ball pitcher ceiling. And he really put it all together. He had a chase rate of 33.5%, which is in like the 10 highest percentile in baseball. His expected batting average was 222, which is in the upper quarter of the league. His expected ERA was 302, top 15, 20%. In baseball, his K rate of 28.1, well above league average. Walk rate, only 6.5%, well above league average. Barrel rate, 5.4%, top 20% in the league. Like, he was absolutely phenomenal, and he just finally put it all together and, and figured out how to get and utilize those swings and misses. His repertoire is pretty straightforward. It's mostly four-seam fastball, and the four-seamer really took I think a step forward this year and a lot of it has to do with sequencing. I think that his ability when like he does really well against righties really well and he does well against both to be honest, but uh, he he does really well against righties. And and I think it's because the fastball slider duo he has like the spin on both of them, they truly look the same and like coming out of his hand and he has the ability to go 95 96 four seam fastball and then 86 which is not a slow slider necessarily uh low and away as well just it's it's very very difficult to pick up on that again both pitches with rpms over 2100 uh he 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 really did utilize everything I, i think perfectly this year and like the only kind of blip on the season was when he came back from injury he got off to a slow kind of return, and, and I think it was his early August. He got absolutely rocked, right? Like he he was not missing any bats. His opponent batting average was like four hundred for like two or three weeks straight. He got crushed. Outside of that month, he was lights out pretty much all season. I think he had one other blip, like maybe at the early earlier like May ish that lasted maybe a week or two. But besides that, he really was lights out. For majority of the season, it led to him having almost 50 innings of work, which is not a small sample, even with the injury, and a sub-3 ERA. Um, the, the sequencing I was what I was talking about before I went down an ADHD rabbit hole, but the uh, the fastball we talked about, the slider we talked about, the changeup, he only throws it to lefties, um, but uh, it's a really effective pitch to lefties. Having that at your disposal, and like, He's not one of those where, oh, he doesn't throw the the slider to lefties. He has no fear of throwing the sliders to lefties. And so he is not one of those, you know, we talked about a lot with Michael Lorenzen. We talked about it with Jason Foley, like three pitches, but you're a two-pitch pitcher, depending on who's in the batter's box. This guy is really a two-pitch pitcher against righties and then a three-pitch pitcher against lefties, which I, which I think is is awesome. Like that's he doesn't if it ain't broke don't fix it against writer handers right like he's he's been good with them I, I don't I don't need anything more um but against lefties to have 
another pitch. Like the slider isn't always going to be the best thing to throw to lefties. That's scary when you're a righty and you're throwing that to a lefty batter. That That's really scary to throw a slider. So having then a third pitch, you're not just a two-pitch pitcher against everybody and the, and the lefties can just sit slider because they know you're going to hang one eventually. No, you can you you can throw that in there and mix it in there while still keeping them on their toes with a changeup or two. And and I I just I can't sing the praises of his season enough this year. Uh, I think it's pretty straightforward. Like I said, I don't think there's like any crazy underlying stuff. Just as long as the slider stays down, which every once in a while it'll it'll pop up in the zone. But as long as the slider stays down, this guy is is going to be really really effective on the mound and and I think it it really did just come down to everything clicking finally for him and so when talking about 2024 for both of these guys we'll start with Will Vest because we're already on the conversation I think he's earned not only just the an assumption for a bullpen spot going into spring training and and honestly opening day but you know I, I don't think that Will Vest should be your like high leverage closer or like you're even in your top two, like highest leverage pitchers, the one kind of knock on Will Vest this season and throughout his entire major league career. So if you want to just make it even a bigger sample size, it still holds true. Is that with runners on base, uh, his numbers kind of skyrocket. His opponent OPS with runners in scoring possession position in 2023 was over 800. And in his career, it's like over, it's like 770. And then with two outs and runners in scoring position, it's it's pretty similar, right? So if you can keep runners off base, he's going to be effective. His opponent OPS, uh, like in general this season, was under 600. He was phenomenal. Um, but if, if he gets into trouble, he has the ability to get let, up, let in those runs. So I think it would be – like think about how good and deep of a bullpen you must have if Will Vest is like your first out of the pen type of pitcher. And if you're a longtime listener, you remember me having this conversation with Foley two years ago, right? Foley was the guy in 2022 when we had the four-headed monster, you know, Fulmer, Chafin, Jimenez, Soto. Like, you had all those guys. And then you had Lang and Foley, who were the young guys, but they were still really good. Like, that bullpen was so good. Like, it was the only thing that was good on that team in 2022, but it was lethal. You had six legitimate relievers in that pen, and... So, like, Foley was often the first guy out of the pen. And he was kind of, like, unknown still. But I loved him in that role. I thought that was a sign of a great bullpen. Like, you know how good you are where Jason Foley is? And he wasn't, like, the Jason Foley we know yet. But he, he like, still, like, that. this guy is an automatic ground ball. I love him. He he just gets outs. He just puts, you know, it's it's ground outs all, all day long. And having that be the first out of the pen, I thought was such a great setup to like then the true, you know, like four-headed monster in the back end. I think Will Vest could really be a perfect candidate for that. You know, in the fifth or sixth inning, when your starter goes out, you send Will Vest out there. Immediately, you you keep your foot on the neck of the opponent. You send out a, a, a guy who, who's going to have, prob- you know, this year again, like all of his expected stats were around what his actual ERA was. Like there's no like, oh, we maybe he got unlucky or you have a lot of hard contact or whatever. Like, no, not really. <laughs> um, so if, if you can just, you know, like maintain that momentum, if you have a, a small lead, you don't have to go to one of your like lower leverage, you know, like I don't want to say bad, but 
uh, your lower leverage, like not as as high end relievers, just because it's the fifth inning. Like you can have one guy take one inning, one, two, three, and then that can be some sort of a bridge to the true back end of the pen. I think that that's like the perfect role for Will Vest in 2024. He is kind of a low-key trade candidate, but I also think that they're not just going to give him away for free because, I mean, obviously he was great, but uh, he has, I think, four years of control left on top of having two options still. Like, he has so much roster flexibility still at his disposal um, that they're not just going to, like, get rid of Will Vest just to get rid of Will Vest. It would have to, someone would have to pay up to uh, to get him, certainly. So, not, not that he's going to, you know, cost the Kings ransom or anything, but you get my point. He, he's not going to be given away for nothing. I don't think he's going to be on the block. Um, so, I expect him to be on this team next year, but it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if he was involved in some talks either, just because he's not going to be your high leverage reliever. So, if you can, you know, get rid of your fifth inning, sixth inning reliever for something, maybe you uh, maybe you go down that avenue. And then for Matt Veerling, I've said this a lot throughout the season. I'm glad he played third base. Because I think that he is a super utility guy next year. I don't want to go into opening day with Matt Veerling as the starting everyday left or right fielder. I, I, I don't think I don't I don't want that. I don't think that he is going to be productive enough in 2024 to justify him starting 150 plus games at a corner outfield position. I think you played him at third base to prove that he could be a solid in infielder. And he did that. He was solid enough at third base, right? So now you have a, a, a guy with a lot of tools that can come off your bench and play four to five to even six different positions. And that's very valuable. So I, I understand, I, very, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, everything I said just means that like, you know, Veerling doesn't have any value to this team and like, it's whatever. I think he does have a role. I just, I want it to be a super utility role. I don't, uh, I, I will be upset. I will be upset if we go into spring training and it's just assumed that Veerling's just going to be every day at any position. He'll play 140 games off the bench up here in 140 games off the bench because it's AJ Hinch. And because he has the tools to justify that. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow talking about a couple more players. I appreciate y'all greatly for the continued support of the show throughout uh, this part of the offseason. And yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch y'all then, baby. Go Tigers.